If you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in three different passages. By the way, if you did not get a handout, could you raise your hand and we'll make sure we get you a handout? Two up here. Just keep your hands up and they will get those to you. So hopefully on the handout you'll see the three different passages that we'll be in this evening, uh, starting in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Last week, we started a, a short three-week series, uh, and if you want the rough outline for the next three weeks, you can look at my beautifully crafted sweatshirt, Love, Equip, Scent. Uh, in fact, there's probably somebody not sitting too far from you that has the outline on their shirt as well. Uh, last week, we went through the idea of uh, love, and to summarize, we talked about uh, love God, love others, everything else will fall into place. It was a much longer definition of that last week. You can listen to the podcast. Uh, but we're, we're going through our mission statement. And to understand the bigger picture, uh, you have to understand our, our mission, our vision statement. And again, uh, last week I talked about, I was told, Rob, it's too vague. It needs to be much more narrow. Um, and I just, in discussions over this before we started, I just felt like this is where we need to go. And so our vision statement for Hope Church is, Hope Church exists to glorify God, build His kingdom, and fulfill the Great Commission. Um, it's worded very carefully because the moment that we stop seeking to glorify God above all else and we start to try to glorify ourselves or glorify anything other than God, um, the moment that we stop trying to build his kingdom and try to build our church, uh, in other words, this local church expression of the universal church that is all the, the strategy of God building his kingdom is through the church, uh, the moment that more attention goes to how do we build our church than how do we build God's kingdom. And third, uh, the moment that uh, the Great Commission no longer takes precedence in our everyday life to go and make disciples being the shortened version of it, the moment that any one of those three, we stop glorifying God, the focus comes off of building his kingdom, and the focus comes off of going and making disciples, we cease to be a church and we become a social club. Uh, we become a place where you go and see people, um, and the mission of God is just not of the preeminence importance to our lives. And so that word, Hope Church, exists when we glorify God first and foremost, when we focus on building his kingdom above building a local church expression and when we are fulfilling the Great Commission. So tonight we are talking about the word equip. Uh, tonight we are talking about the word equip. Uh, if you know me and if you've had conversations with me, you know I am passionate about it. I tell people there's five things that I love about pastoring, and preaching like this is number five. I enjoy doing it, I really do, but it's not the top four spots for me. Uh, number one, the thing I love doing is discipleship. Um, I, you can always tell the health of a church by their discipleship, what they do for discipleship, the um, importance they put on discipleship. And so if you go to our website and you look up Love Equip Send, under Equip you will see this. Um, we desire to build God's kingdom by equipping people to move one step closer in the relationship with Him. We do this through community groups, corporate worship, equip classes, and sacrificial giving. Now, some of those words sound very familiar when you ask us what discipleship is. Discipleship at Hope Church is helping someone move one step closer in their relationship with God. 
But I want you to understand that equipping is the discipleship process. In fact, you'll have those as fill in the blanks on the handout. Equipping is the discipleship process. Now, back in, I think it was end of October, early November, uh, we talked about discipleship for a couple weeks and the importance of discipleship. I had just come off sabbatical where we had put a lot of time uh, praying about what, what happens next. Where does, it, where does the importance of our church need to go next? And discipleship is what it always comes back to for me. I realized that um, going back to February, uh, Jose Ray kind of pulled me aside and said, Rob, we need you to focus on discipleship and community groups. You're all over the place and we need you to focus on these things. And I'd thought about it, that the things I really enjoy are discipling and leadership development. And I hadn't really spent any time on any of those things in like three years. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I really need to kind of go back to the basics. That's why we did a series in the fall called Back to the Basics. Um, but in the process, going through, okay, we need to actually really focus in on our discipleship process uh, here at Hope Church. And so uh, in, in thinking and praying about it and then coming back and talking, one of the things I mentioned was in every relationship that we have, there are expectations. And a lot of the expectations in a relationship, uh, we don't actually need to say them. They're just these unwritten, unsaid expectations that exist. And I used the example back then of, I'm pointing you out a lot, Cam. I'm glad you're here. Of, uh, when I go to Cam Stewart's house, Cam doesn't come out and say, Rob, real quick, I just need to talk to you. Hey, tonight when you're at our house and we're eating dinner, please don't take a chainsaw and chop up all my furniture. Please don't do this. Why? There's an unsaid expectation that I'm not going to his house to destroy all of his furniture with a chainsaw. And vice versa, I don't have to explain to him, hey Cam, I wanna come over to your house. I'm not going to destroy all your furniture. Just, I just wanna be very clear. I'm not coming over to do that. Now, it's a ridiculous illustration. But in our, in our relationships, we have these unsaid, unwritten expectations. Now, in our relationships, marriage, at work, the relationship is usually better the more expectations that we communicate with each other. This is what I expect, uh, and then we say, oh, that is not what you're going to get. Well, at least I'm aware that you're not going to meet this expectation of mine, at least it won't be a surprise to me. And so as you grow in different relationships and the more you talk about expectations in those, uh, we find this out. Well, tonight, what I'm, hoping to, uh, what I'm hoping to communicate is the expectations of discipleship, the biblical expectations of discipleship. So again, this is gonna be kind of a broad overview. Um, one of the things we know here at Hope Church, we have people that, um, stop in and or they're visiting and so i'm hoping that tonight no matter where you go next week or where you're from that this will just kind of sink in so that wherever you go this is the expectation a biblical expectation of discipleship uh, if you are a parent this is the biblical expectation of discipleship in your lives of your children so uh, please understand this is for everyone here so point number one being equipped comes through God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Being equipped comes through God's Word and the Holy Spirit. 
why don't you look at 2 Timothy, uh, starting in, ver- in chapter 3. Back in October and November, we are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, talking about this is discipleship, and Paul lays it out. And understand that the uh, entirety of this book is believed to be Paul's last book that he writes, and he's writing to Timothy, who he has discipled and trained and put in place as a pastor. And it's almost like Paul's last words to Timothy as his disciple, who's been his disciple for a long time. Um, and he is just communicating almost his final words to him. But he writes, starting in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as he's talking about discipleship in the previous chapter, he's also now saying, this is how you equip people to do this work, to do these good works, to do the things that I have called them to do. So I want to just look at these four different areas um, in this passage, and we will continue to walk through these different passages. And again, this is an overview. There is so much more as you continue to dig into these passages. But the first word that I want you to look at is the word teaching. Uh, teaching. So God breathed and is useful for teaching. And the actual Greek definition of it is activities that impart knowledge or skill. And I love the word activities because oftentimes when we think of school and being trained, I don't know if you've ever had a job where you have to go to training, and it is awful. And you sit there in a class, and you know you're going to retain nothing. Uh, I have this ability when I play uh, board games with people, and they feel like, they'll say, well, I'll read you the rules. And I was like, I will not listen. Let's start playing, and let me ask, let's play one round, and I'll just ask questions as we go. That's how I'm going to learn is by actually doing it. And they're like, okay, I'll read the rules. And then they read the rules anyways. I'm like, you keep going. I'm going to grab something to eat. We'll still start back where I asked you to start. Uh, I heard a, a professor say, he was talking to a bunch of seminary professors, and he said, Imagine if we trained our military the way that we train our pastors. In other words, read these two books, write a paper, and you'll be ready to go to war. We would have the worst military in the world. Why? What actually happens, there's a little bit of training, and then they send you out. They want to see how you respond to live gunfire. Uh, They want to see how you respond. Okay, I'll stop using military. I'm going to jump to sports. Don't worry. It's a very broad example. When I was in college, uh, my second year, I didn't go to college until I was, a little, I was in my 20s. So at 22, I was the old guy. And the first year, there was a two-year Bible school, and every Thanksgiving, the first-year students were versus the second-year students in flag football. Don't think flag football like you know it. This was 11-on-11, full-blocking flag football. So like you literally run through two guys physically and then pull the third guy's flag. Well, the powder puff team, the women's team, the first-year students had never beaten the second-year students in for however long. And so uh, one of my friends, one of the young ladies at college said, hey, Rob, do you want to coach our powder puff team? And at first I thought, no. I like all the W's I have on my record. I don't want to add an L to it. But I said, oh, you know what, that might be fun. So then at dinner I was talking to a bunch of my other friends. A lot of them had coached football. I, of all the sports I've coached, I love coaching football. Uh, for multiple reasons, but I said to the guys, hey, I was asked to coach the uh, powder puff team. And uh, a couple of my friends were like, I would do that. I'd help you out with that. That would be fun. So I ended up with like a coaching staff of six guys. All of us love football. 
So I said to them, hey, I think we have a chance. Let's not just teach them how to win one football game. Let's teach these young ladies the game of football and then teach them how to play. And we have like a month and a half before the game, the, the Powder Puff Bowl. I think we could be a lot of fun. And they're like, let's do it. So again, head coach, I had an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, they had their assistants. This is all for a Powder Puff one-shot one flag football game. So I mentioned the idea to my friend who was putting together the first-year team, and she goes, that sounds awesome. So we literally would meet in a classroom for about 15 minutes before practice, and we would just start to go over the like just positions. All right, this is where a position is, this is where they line up. Everybody understand? Go back and forth. We go out in the field, then we'd line them up. Then we'd give them some plays to run from that formation. Then two days later, we only had like two or three practices, we'd run through. And then they started asking questions. Well, what about this? And what about this? And then we'd go down to the field and we'd see who was better at what position. And, then, and we killed second year. Like we went out and we were running plays. We had them uh, literally on like a sped up offense, no huddle. Like we could give hand motions, they knew what it was, and we'd run, and we just, it was, people are like, well, that's no fun when you obliterate them. No, it is the best. When you obliterate another team, it is the best. Um, my point is this, I'm a great football coach. No, my point is this, <laughs> that it's not from just learning in a book something that you impart knowledge. It's going out and doing. That first practice, when we went out on the field and we had our wide receiver, I'm making this up, by the way, I actually don't remember every play from practice in a, in a powder puff game. But imagine I go out and say, okay, you two are wide receivers, you're gonna run a crossing route, make a big X, and they run out and they just run full speed right into each other and fall down. And then they're like, we're done, we quit. It's like, no, 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 you guys are really good at this, we'll run it again, here's how you can do that. In fact, most of our lives, there's activities involved. Uh, when you were really young, um, and you went up to your mom and dad, or you were like 11 months old, and you're like, mom and dad, thinking about trying out this whole walking thing. Do you have any good material on it that I can read? Because I'd, like I'd like to give this thing a whirl. No, you started falling, you started trying to grab stuff, you kept falling, um, your parents are cheering you on, and you'd fall again, and they'd be like, that's okay, buddy, get up. Same with riding your bike. You'd bite it, like, get back on that bike, young man. You gotta pull yourself up. When it comes to our spiritual life, oftentimes we're like, oh, I messed up, I'm never doing that again. Everyone's like, that makes sense. There's no way to grow unless there's activities, and you have to be understanding to fail in those activities. Number two, been a long time on number one. Number two, rebuking. Uh, rebuking is very important to understand this. This is, uh, to summarize, constructive criticism. Something I'm good at, criticism. Something I'm not great at, constructive criticism. There's one word that I want to introduce, we talked about it at length last week, that makes constructive criticism happen, and that is the word love. If we are criticizing without love, we are just criticizing. But as we talked about last week, when I truly love you and I truly want what's best for you, then I'm willing to put you in front of how I feel and what I want to do because I want to see you do better. That's constructive criticism. That's coming in and saying, hey, I think this would work better if this. When we just point out something that's wrong, that's just flat out criticism. And the only thing that you do is when that child falls down, it's like, well, you're terrible at this. Don't ever try that again. But when someone that we love, when my child who I love dearly falls down, saying, okay, try this. Hold on to the furniture for just a little longer. 
That's constructive criticism. Number three ties in with rebuking, and that is correcting. Uh, correcting is the act of offering an improvement to replace a mistake. Constructive criticism, rebuking, and correction go hand in hand. So it's saying, hey, I saw what you did there. That didn't go well. I have a couple options that might be able to help you in the future. Um, in a little bit, we're going to talk about evangelism and how do we share the gospel with people. Understand the entire sharing the gospel with people is going to be being coached through rebuking and correcting. Um, hey, I saw you tell someone you love God, and they said they hated you, and you hated God. You're going to run into that. What was bad is you slapped them. Don't do that. Here's some constructive criticism that's going to help you in the future love them. And I'm telling you this because I love you, and I don't want to see you get beat up again. So we rebuke the act of offering improvement to replace a mistake. We had somebody that was here for a long time at Hope Church, and they were so good at this. Uh, and, and we would go out to eat regularly from the time, we, they actually had moved down here a couple weeks before I got here. We'd go out to lunch, and he'd say, hey, Rob, here's what I'm seeing. Um, and here's, I think, some solutions that I can help you do. And then sometimes we'd be out to lunch, and I was like, hey, did you notice this? This isn't going well. What should I do? And he's like, yeah, I noticed it, but I never brought it up because I don't have a solution. And if I don't have a solution for a problem I'm seeing, then I don't think it's right for me to bring it up. What a wonderful attitude to have when we're trying to help someone grow. It's easy to pick out faults with other people. What we usually fail at is coming alongside of them and offering them improvements on where they may have made a mistake. Uh, by the way, all of this is coming from Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. This is, how, this is why we learn God's Word, so that as we're equipping people, it is through God's holy Word, the Word of God that will last for eternity, and this is how we're coming alongside and building people up. And then number four in this passage is training in righteousness. The definition is a little longer. It says, the whole education and instruction of a disciple, both the cultivation of mind and morals. Stop there. <clears throat> this is the big picture, the big umbrella picture of coming alongside and helping somebody grow in all of these different areas. And then it continues, understood as the rearing and education of children. That's why I've been continuing to talk about kids. Again, as a parent, um, you signed on for a lifetime of being a parent. When you have a child, uh, there isn't a, yeah, I, I had a, a son, he was great, he disobeyed me once, that was it, I was done. No more, no more teaching for me. So I just let his other parent deal with that. No, when we have a child, we love that child. We want to see that child do as best as that child possibly can. And we know that when we have that child, we're on for a lifetime. My lifetime, their lifetime, but it is my child. And I think oftentimes in a discipleship relationship, we, we don't view it that way. Uh, as I worked at different colleges and have been at different churches, uh, most people think that as soon as I would leave the church, they'd leave the church, I'd leave the college, they would leave the college, that that discipleship relationship was over. I no longer live in proximity to you. I no longer have to disciple you. I no longer have to care about your spirituality. Now, we would never say that. Ben, great to see you. Sorry you're moving. I no longer care about your spirituality. Have a great life. 
To me, that's not biblical view of discipleship. We are signed on for life. We are signed on to continue. It might be from a distance. It might just be the question, have you found a good church? Have you found people that are going to be pouring into your lives and discipling you? Are you in a, in a, is your life showing that you are continuing to grow in your relationship with Christ? So discipleship is, we have to view it as a lifetime. Please understand that if we are commanded by God in the Great Commission to make disciples go and make disciples, then these attributes of disciple should be found in a discipleship relationship. What I want to tell you is, if you are deciding to meet, and discipleship takes on various forms, uh, it can look many different ways, uh, but if you decide, like, let's say, again, Ben, I'm going to keep using you because you're sitting basically by yourself, just Sarah was nice enough to get close. Um, not that close, but close enough. Me and Ben go out for coffee, and Ben's like, hey, I would really like to be a disciple. I was like, sure, man, I would love it. I also understand discipleship is a two-way street. Uh, if someone's like, well, I discipled him. Like, that's an arrogant person. It's, discipleship's always two ways. And so I, we sit down, and I literally pull this out, and I just, Ben, I've noticed these 32 things wrong about you. So let's go. Ben's like, man, never mind. The lifetime mindset helps us understand that it's a lifetime. These are things that we will continue to grow on slowly. Just wanted to throw that caveat in there. But in a discipleship relationship, and these again are those expectations, is these things will exist. Number one, it should be based on God's word. But teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness is those expectations of being in a discipleship relationship. Please, I want to emphasize this over and over again. That phrase, all scripture is God breathed. That means that it is almost the exhaling of God. Um, Jesus is God's word. In John 1, we see God, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he's talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is, and uh, we don't understand this because we have so many books and ways to read things, but nobody would have had a scroll. Uh, most things were passed on uh, orally to their children or to other people. And so the picture is that God breathing is Jesus, that God breathing is his word. His word tells us who Jesus is. Jesus is the written word of God, meaning that exhale, when you exhale and you speak and words come out, that is Jesus and that is his word. So the entire thing of discipleship is through his word and through the Holy Spirit that when you come into that relationship and you make Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life and the Holy Spirit indwells you, it is through the Holy Spirit pointing you to be more like Christ and it is his word that is continually working in your life. Uh, Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing, meaning that it is almost like this precision surgeon tool that can go into our heart, that can separate bone and marrow. It can do all the things that we need God to do through his word, through the Holy Spirit, to continue to point us to be more like him. That's why we say it is moving one step closer in our relationship with God. That is the discipleship process. That is what it means to be equipped. Point number two, being equipped leads to spiritual maturity. Being equipped leads to spiritual maturity. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 11 through 16. I was trying to shorten this up, but I just believe this passage, and again, all of these passages could be their very own full messages, so 
continue to read these. In community groups, go over these passages again. Um, but I just wanted to read the whole passage and then focus on um, a smaller section of it. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, so much to go into here. But I want you to see, and um, there's, it talks about some spiritual gifts here, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can jot those down uh, when we talk about um, spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But the ones that he mentions, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, these would be viewed as in the uh, leadership roles of a church. The early church, these were the people, apostles were the ones like Paul who were going around and starting churches in different areas. Uh, prophets mean to proclaim the, the, the truth of God. Uh, whenever we see prophets in the Bible, they are proclaiming a truth that God has given them to reveal to other people. Uh, evangelists are people, uh, we talked about this a while ago, evangelists, they, uh, I know people who have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I do not believe that I do. Uh, my one professor in seminary would talk about the professor in charge of evangelism. Like, I think I've seen him lead trees and fence posts to the Lord. Like, just whoever they comes in contact with, uh, and they are just, they get on an elevator with somebody, they go two floors, and that person is crying and wants to know God by the time they land. And I'm not kidding. Like, those people to me are gifted evangelists. Uh, pastor, another word for shepherd, the shepherd of a flock, teachers, those who communicate God's word. And it says, these people I've given, and look at the main reason, to equip his people for works of service. Uh, as I was studying the New Testament, studying discipleship on sabbatical this past summer, this is what stood out to me. It is, as a pastor, my responsibility to make sure the people that God has placed under my care as a shepherd to equip them for works of service. Equipping is not telling you what to do and see you next week. Equipping has to be an action that is being taken part in to make sure that we as the leadership are doing the best of our ability to make sure we are putting you in positions to grow and mature in Christ. So I am sorry, Hope Church, that in the past I was so caught up in other things that this was not taking precedence in Hope Church. We are working on correcting this, I assure you, thus the application part of the message tonight. But understand that everyone who knows God has received a spiritual gift. Everyone who knows God has received a spiritual gift. Uh, when we talked about this in the fall, it was actually, I, I, it was like a quick blip I mentioned in a message, 
And every community group that week, all they were talking about was spiritual gifts. We had a fantastic conversation um, in our community group about spiritual gifts. And I will talk about that more in the application part. The goal for our spiritual life is spiritual maturity. Uh, we, I had friends, and they had two young children, and they'd be like, our goal is that they are not living in our basement when they're 30 and can't get a job. That's our, that's our goal. We want to teach them to love Jesus and help them to succeed in life. If you're 30, living in your parents' basement, that's fine. I'm not, that was them, not me. The, the goal is to see your children mature so that they become responsible people who love the Lord in society. So the goal of a church should be to see people growing into their spiritual maturity through this equipping process. But spiritual maturity is brought about through being equipped, which comes through education and being put into practice. It's two parts. Uh, there's people that uh, are really good at studying, and they never put it into practice. <clears throat> and then there's people that sometimes are so getting are so f putting so much out that they never take time to spend in God's word and they burn out because they're relying on themselves too much. There's a balance there. I wish I could tell you how to do it. I haven't figured it out yet. But it comes through both being educated and being put into practice because the goal is through love, the church functions together as the body, the body of Christ. And we function together and we help each other grow because we love each other, because we're helping each other. We're filling in needs. We are doing these acts of service together. Number three, a lot of, by the way, this is a lot of next week's message when we talk about send. So number three, being equipped is God keeping his promise to sanctify us. Being equipped is God keeping his promise to sanctify us. That word sanctify, if you don't know what it means, it's okay. Sanctify is being set apart for a special purpose. And God's promise to us is through the Holy Spirit and through his word that he is going to continually set us apart for our special reason, our mission, our calling that only we can do because it is exactly how God designed us. The gifts, talents, abilities, and the experiences that you have, some of them you might hate, some of them you might love, God has given them to you because he has a special calling on your life. He has a special mission for you, that you are unique. Uh, when I see this, I think of how much God intimately and individually loves me and how much God intimately and individually loves you. And there may be things in our life that we don't like. God has a reason for them. There may be experiences that you've been through in life that you wish you had never been through, and I understand that, but understand God has put them in your life to be used for his glory. And when we look at this whole picture of these things and how God has uh, equipped us and allowed us to go through different experiences, it makes sense when we continue to send them and, and hand them back over to God. I think of... Um, the, there's a book called Unique, but written by Will Mancini, and in it he says, God created you and made you to be a professional you. Stop trying to be a professional somebody else. God has made you individually to be used for his 
glory. So when we start to put these things into practice, that is how, uh, when we start to think about that word sanctification or sanctify us, it has so much meaning to it. That God is keeping his promise to you. However, that word sanctifying is also used as the word refining. That when you put things in a fire, it burns away all the garbage so you have what you really want. So, we are told repeatedly in Scripture, the world's going to hate you. Things will not be easy. It's going to be hard. Uh, so many passages, I think of Peter, and he says, uh, do not be surprised at the fiery trial which is to try you. Uh, we are told all the time, you will go through rough times, but that is the refining process. That is the sanctification process as we grow to be more like him. Uh, Hebrews 13 uh, Chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, the writer says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We are being equipped not for ourselves, but we are equipped to do His will through Jesus Christ so that He receives all the glory. Going back to Hope Church exists too, number one, glorify God. He is equipping us so that we can do His will. He knows why He's allowing us to go through the things that we have gone through, are going through, will go through because he knows he's preparing us to continue to carry out the will that he has for us. That's a loving God. That's a God who loves us and wants to equip us for what he has called us to. Being equipped and putting it into practice is what causes spiritual maturity and guides us into doing what God has called us and specifically designed us to do for his glory. This is how we find out what God's will is for us, is through doing. There has to be action to it. It's putting it into practice. Growth comes through stepping out in faith and obeying no matter the cost. Uh, one of the sayings we repeat all the time, the gospel is always about sacrifice and humility, not comfort and privilege. When we look at the gospel message through the New Testament, when we look at Jesus uh, in the gospels, when we look at what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter two, have this mind that is also in Christ, who didn't think of himself too highly to basically come to earth as a human being and to be murdered and tortured by his own creation so that his own creation can have a relationship with God through him. He was willing to give it all up. He sacrificed everything in a place of absolute humility that we cannot understand because the gospel, the good news that he defeated sin and death and we can have a relationship with God through him, he knew that needed to be accomplished. So when it comes to us sharing the gospel with our communities, with our families, with our neighbors, do we think we're too highly of ourselves? I'm above that. We no longer have that positioning of humility well, I'm not willing to do that. We no longer have that positioning of sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. 
Understand, it is the repeated positioning of humility and sacrificing ourselves on the altar to God that causes spiritual maturity. That stepping out on faith, that Romans 12, 1 and 2, offering ourselves, everything that makes us, us, everything that makes me, me, offering it to God as a living sacrifice and say, this is all for your glory. So for the application, and both this week and next week, the applications are going to look differently than most messages. Why? Well, you'll find out. We have put together two equipped classes. Um, when we brought um, Shannon on in the spring and Siobhan on in the spring and Sarah Lerner on on the spring, Sarah Lerner's always been here and always serving, uh, but we actually brought them all on part-time staff, uh, Tab's position focused on putting together these equipped classes uh, and coming up with how do we do these and how do we do these with excellence. That is what TAB does well. That is what I do terribly, is thinking things all the way through. Uh, in fact, TAB, she'll be upset. Nobody tell her this, including her parents. Uh, TAB was like, Rob, you are really good at steps one and two. Like, you can get things up and going really well. You are awful at steps three, four, and five. I was like, I know, that's why I need you to do this. <laughs> that's what you excel in. Uh, and so we have some, one being, um, one being an equipped class we want to do, uh, but we want to do things with excellence, and we want to make sure that we have, are giving the best resources. And that is an equipped class on um, finding out your spiritual gifting. Um, I want to say this, and I don't mean to make a blanket statement. There are a lot of good resources for finding out your spiritual gifting. There are also a lot of not good resources for finding your spiritual gifting. If you can find out what Disney princess you are, the same way you can find out what spiritual gifting you have, not a good way of finding out your spiritual gifting, just as a disclaimer. Uh, so we are in the process of seeking that out. That might not be till later in the year, uh, but we really are putting a huge emphasis on that because of those conversations in community groups. Um, so the application, so the equip classes that we are doing, uh, and I'm gonna talk about these before jumping back up to the top. Uh, one is on evangelism. Um, it's very easy to stand up here and say, hey, everybody, if you know God, you should be telling everybody about Jesus. Have a great week. See you next Saturday night. Um, what we realize is an equipped class should be, hey, let's get together and let's talk through. Why is it so hard to share the gospel with other people? How do you share the gospel with other people? What is the gospel? Um, what if this happens? Uh, one of my favorite things at one of the colleges I worked at is every, I was telling somebody um, at Fellowship of Oakbrook this story. I was like, well, I worked at a college, and every year we took these charter buses down to New York City with a bunch of students, and we said, all right, go tell people the gospel. And it was hilarious. I mean, it was really f funny to me. Um, I hated it when I had to do it. And, but the best way to learn how to share the gospel is to start and you will not know everything, and that's okay. Nothing, uh, me and Derek were talking about this this last week, uh, because I see like discipleship should be pushing people to go tell people about the gospel, because you'll find out how much you love people. If you truly love somebody, you will shed tears that somebody you love doesn't know Jesus. And that love for that person will cause you to pray for them, and it will cause you to go back to the Bible when they have a question for you. And so for me, it's, hey, part of discipleship is to get people to do evangelism. 
In fact, we actually put evangelism under the umbrella of discipleship. Derek said, man, if you get people to go evangelize, they will want to be discipled. So we were laughing because we were like, I think we balance each other out pretty well because I'm always pushing discipleship, you're always pushing evangelism. Um, but it's one and the same. It is a cyclical action. Uh, some people need to start with being forced. Some people just need to go do it and they marry each other. So teaching evangelism is Derek Hummel. Uh, I was a missionary in Peru for uh, 12, 13 years. Uh, and so we are, what we need from you, and this is why the application is different, we need to know if you're interested so that we can set up times for these equipped classes. I believe evangelism uh, right now is just a one-time one class. Uh, but again, we want everyone to go through it. That's why we have tried to simplify these uh, as well. Uh, the other one, the other um, equipped class that we are set to do, um, starting again, we need your feedback. Uh, it will meet three times over the course of three months, and it is just on prayer. Uh, Tab and I read a bunch of books on prayer, uh, through sabbatical, through this fall, type, still reading a couple books, and we've kind of found three really good books that we, will, we want to start that process. So you will read a book over the course of a month, and then you will get together and have a discussion on, hey, this is what I learned, this is what I'm now trying. Um, some of it is the why we do prayer, biblical views of prayer. Some of the other books are just prayer is different for everybody, and how you pray is different for everybody, but how do we implement this into our life with try this, or try this, or try this. Uh, and so what we wanted to start with is evangelism, um, prayer, learning the Bible, knowing the Bible, and then a class that we can't figure out a name for, but we're already putting it together, uh, and that is basically the basic doctrines of the faith. Um, what are the, the, the core things um, that we need to know in the faith? So we need your feedback. That is the big part of the application is we need your feedback on these things. Which classes are you interested in? Which ones uh, pique your interest and when can you do them? So you have to talk to us. With that being in the back of your mind of these classes that we are offering, uh, I want you to walk through these questions with your spouse in your community group, in your group. Uh, question number one, are you involved in the avenues of being equipped? Uh, the reason that we do this is so when people say, um, well, I, and I've said this, well, I went to that church, but I was never being discipled, and so I left. We want to have as clear communication how the discipleship process works here at Hope Church. Community groups, Saturday evening services, uh, through sacrificial giving so that we can continue to do these things, through equip classes. We understand everyone's schedule is different. Chances are you're at a Saturday evening church because your schedule is different. And so we want to try to match up those schedules. Uh, some of these equip classes, like evangelism, we will offer multiple times throughout the year as well. Um, so number one, are you involved in the avenues of being equipped? Number two, do you know your spiritual gifts? Are you using them or seeking to find out what they are? Again, we need that information uh, as we put together that specific equip class. Um, do you have a plan for reading or studying the Bible this year? Um, we are starting to sample some groups of just teaching almost like a basic survey of the Bible. Uh, we're going to start running out just a, sam a small sample group, but we want to see how it goes so that we can continue to offer those. Again, it'll just be something once a month um, at different times depending on people's schedules. 
So those are, again, the application is, um, it's not this wonderful closing, and everyone's like, wow, that was really good. It is very sporadic and shotgunny of, um, we need feedback. This discipleship process is a back and forth. It is a, this is your expectation, this is what we're trying to do. Um, the last thing I want is somebody to leave here tonight going like, well, that doesn't match up with what I want. You have to communicate to us what works for you. Uh, again, we are putting a huge uh, precedence on the discipleship process. Next week, when we talk about SEND, we are going to have a couple different groups, partner, things that we're partnering with, things that we haven't announced yet that we're partnering with. Intrigue. So come back. Um, let's get a cake again. That seemed to really, people loved cake. Um, but we want to be able to have conversations after church with these different forms of doing ministry. But What's important is they go hand in hand. The equip and send go hand in hand. You have to be equipped, be, be sent out into your communities, out into wherever God has for you the rest of your life. So again, if anybody asks, the closing was phenomenal to this message. It was so heartfelt, you'll never forget it. Um, I can't reiterate enough. When you walk out of this room and go right to leave, there's a big room with coffee and water Please come and talk to us. We will stay here as late as we need to uh, because this is so important to us. We want to equip you knowing that it is a back and forth process. In equipping you, you're going to be equipping us as well. These aren't two separate entities, even though I keep saying us and you. We work together in this. We work together to grow in spiritual maturity, but it has to happen together. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your incredible love for us. I thank you that you didn't just come to earth, tell us to live a good life, and leave, but that you love us and you love us intimately. You gave your life for us. You gave us your word. You gave us your Holy Spirit. You continue to work in us. You continue to help us grow closer in our relationship with you for the rest of our lives lives. Lord, I pray that tonight that you use your word and, and convict us in our hearts and convict us in our lives of this area of spiritual growth. Help us to understand where we are and where we need to go, but Lord, give us that comfort and that peace that comes in knowing that through your word and through your Holy Spirit, you will bring us there because it's all for your glory. We thank you so much for how much you love us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this evening who has never put their faith in you, that they have never made you the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life, that tonight you would be working in their heart, you'd be working in their mind, calling them to you. I pray that you would give them the courage to come forward and ask uh, one of us on stage or in the back what it is to know you, that they want to begin this relationship with you. But I pray for the rest of us that do know you. But I pray that we wouldn't leave here without being affected by your word. But as James says, that we would be able to point out the things in our life that need to change, that we would look at your word like a mirror, knowing the things that need to change, and then through your power be able to start going through that process. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.